to Your Property Podcast. Today is the 1st of April 2021. My name is Michelle Cairns and with us we have got Simon Zucci. Hi Simon. Hi Michelle, how are you? Great, thank you. It's great to have you on the podcast finally and I know you're a very, very busy uh, man so it's great to uh, have you on today. And today we're going to be talking about HMOs and how you can creatively finance your way to building a portfolio with uh, with HMOs as one of your main strategies. So I know, Simon, you specialize in HMOs and, and have done and do a lot of training and help people um, to not just buy HMOs and build their portfolio through traditional ways and traditional finance, but also uh, lots of creative ways. And, and you've got a lot of these um, ways in your book as well. So Property Magic. Yep. Um, and I remember reading that many, many years ago and it inspiring me to think, wow, this is a whole other world that I've never heard of. And how have I got to this point? And no one's ever told me I can do this. So um, I'm sure you hear that story a lot. In, in various I, I do. But you know what? It, it's it's great, Michelle, because I know you have actually gone and implemented and, and you know, I know you're a bit of an expert in creative finance because I know you've done a number of things that probably we're going to talk about today. So it's great that you've been inspired with the book, gone out. Obviously, you've educated them, come down training with us and you've gone out and, and you're a living example that this stuff absolutely works because some people just just don't believe it, do they? They can't get their head around. How can you buy a property using very little very money? They just don't understand it. Yeah, well, I didn't believe it at first because I I didn't know it was possible. So there's a kind of before you start the you don't know what you don't know. And then after that, yep. once you're aware of it, it's like, well, I see it's possible for other people, but I don't know if it's possible for myself. Um, but because, you know, you start surrounding yourself with people in the community who have been there and they've done it, you start to kind of build that um i suppose that belief through the case studies and through uh, meeting other people who've done it and um I, you know obviously the network that you've built as well through the pin meetings yeah. and the training programs so i think uh for me it was out of necessity <laughs> that, that you know i didn't have an inheritance but i didn't have you know a big salary i was working as a teacher at the time and uh you know it was a, it was a modest salary and i just you know, spent a lot of time educating myself on ways that I could get started without having to have that big part of money. Because, um, you know, for many people across the country, the to buy a HMO, you know, you, we're talking a considerable amount um, for a deposit, stamp duty, all the extra fees. That that can be huge, you know, if you down south in London, even up north, you know, people think up north, but um, in, in areas where there's more capital appreciation and I suppose the um, more professional tenants want to live, uh, then these the, these areas are generally more expensive. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, a couple of things there. First of all, if you're buying an, an average value house, maybe £250,000, and it's a house you're going to you know, turn from a three-bed house into maybe a, a five, six-bed HMO, it's going to be at least £100,000 in terms of deposit, the refurb, maybe more like 120, 130. And a lot of people think, oh my God, I just don't have that money. So I think you're right. It, it, if you use your cash, it is going to use some money. And most people at some point run out of their own money anyway. However, does it have to be your money? And let's step back one further before that, thinking, well, actually, do you even have to buy it? Because maybe we should start talking about things like purchase these options. I know you've used purchase these options. And it's one of those things that, again, Michelle, people hear about, well, that, well, that would never work. Why would anyone do that? And I think you're absolutely right. First of all, recognizing you don't know what you don't know is really important. Then recognizing, well, hang on, if other people are doing it, maybe it is possible. If you're trying to do some crazy thing that no one else has ever done, well, 
it might be possible, maybe not. But if other people have done it and you still refuse to disbelieve these things, you've got to think, well, maybe someone's not being very smart. If there's evidence there and they still deny the evidence front, just because their belief is you have to use your own money. Um, and and let, let's talk about options for a bit, because I think mindset is, um, is one of my favorite topics. And, and I'm always trying to learn more, always trying to get better. And I think mindsets, you know, we all have good days and bad days. That's something we need to constantly work on. But I think that whole belief thing in that mindset is so critical. You're right. The reason we share so many case studies of what some of our students have done is because, well, if other people have done it, it means you can do it as well. And, and I believe, you know, whether it's anything, whether you think, are there really motivated sellers who will sell at a discount? Are there really people who will give you an option? Are there really people who would, who would lend you money? Unless you believe it's possible, it, it's never really going to work for you. Um, and, and I think it's understanding that because sometimes it sounds too good to be true. Why, why would someone do this? And I think the point is we have to step into the shoes of the other person. So whether it's someone who's lending us money to fund an HMO development or whether it's someone wanting to do a purchase lease option, we have to understand from their point of view, why would they do it? What's in it for them? And when we get that and see that, we can see that in some circumstances, not always, it could be a really good solution for them. If we truly understand and believe that, then we've got far more chance of finding those people and actually explaining to them how this is a great solution for them and also for us. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And for people who maybe they're listening for this to this for the first time and they're not sure about purchase these options, in one kind of one sentence nutshell, um, what would you describe a purchase lease option as? Okay, so it's you enter into a legal agreement with a property owner and it's someone who probably wants to sell their property. They don't really want the hassle of the ownership and the cost and responsibility, but they don't mind selling it to you sometime in the future. And in the meantime, you rent the property from them and you enter into a contract, a legally binding contract. You use solicitors to do them always. And you agree a price you can buy that property. Now, you set the price today. It might be the full market price today. It might be slightly more than the full market price. But you might have a period of time in which you could exercise that. So if you want to buy, you have the right to buy at that agreed price, but not the obligation. So that means if you don't want to buy, you can walk away from it. But if the seller has to sell to you if you want. They can't change their mind. They have to sell to you. And to make it legally binding, you have to pay a consideration, which is usually a pound. It can be a lot more than that. And that's where you might have heard the expression, you can buy a house for a pound. Now, that's not actually correct. What it means is you get the option to buy the house and the option price might be £250,000, but you're controlling that property for a pound. And as long as you make the monthly payments to the owner, uh, basically you can use that property. And the idea is what you pay to the owner is less than you can rent the property out for. So you're making a profit on the margin. So you can get cash flow from a property that you don't own. And if the price you've agreed is, let's say, 250 and in five years' time when you want to buy it, it's 300,000, you've also got equity growth from a property you don't even own. That, in a nutshell, is a purchase lease option. Yeah, I think the key word there is the control. And I think it, it I know from my experience at the beginning when I was learning all about these types of strategies that um, it wasn't just that it was a sort of too good to be true. It was, it, I saw it as an advanced strategy um, when, you know, I was, I was still doing purchases and I was doing um, rent to rents and looking at other deals. And I just, I, thought, I suppose I did just, 
took me a while to get my head around uh, the actual structure of it. But now I think in hindsight, if I could go back, I would have looked into it even more. And now it's a kind of starting point in conversations with with owners and landlords to say, okay, is you know, I think this is this can be a win win all round. And if it does suit the landlord, then it's really one of the best uh, strategies to start out with, start the negotiations. And then if it's not for them, then you can kind of go to other sort of strategies like rent to rent where you are controlling it, but you don't have the option to buy. So, okay. yeah. So anyone listening to this who does rent to rent, I would say you really want to learn about options because actually rent to rent is similar to an option. You rent to rent, you pay a guaranteed amounts of landlord every single month and you have it for a period of time three to five years but the difference being at the end of that time period you give the property back to the owner so i would i agree with you michelle if someone's got a property you want to get rid of i'd always see if an option might be appropriate and if it's not i then downsell to a rent to rent and if that doesn't work i then look at actually buying the property so it's almost that's the, the kind of the thought process i'd go through and i wouldn't i wouldn't bother going into explaining all those different strategies. I want to pitch them lots of different things. I want to ask them great quality questions to really understand what's important to them, what are they trying to achieve, and hope that I can then work out from my knowledge what might be the best solution for them that also works for me. That's the way I'll do it. Yeah, and I think with the options, there's this uh, perception that it only really works for uh, owners where they're in negative equity. That's not <laughs> there's so many different... Uh, really it's, want to do this. It's, there, there are, there are, I won't mention any names, but there are people who do a very, very popular, pretty good podcast, actually. They've been doing it a very, very long time. And I, I, I had to laugh out loud when, uh, you know, they're property experts. I laughed out loud when they said, oh, yeah, I've heard all about this purchase and it only works in negative equity. And I think, oh, my God, you just haven't got a clue. Um, so, and, and some people think if you're getting a purchase option, it's on a, a cheap property up north that's negative equity. Well, that might be the case. That's probably not the best thing to do, though. We've, we've had students who've done purchase options on properties in London that have got no mortgage on them at all. So there's a complete spectrum from it can work with people with no equity or even negative equity, as long as the area, there's potential for growth. There's no point. If, if a property's had, like, no growth up north for, like, eight years and that's why it's a negative equity what makes you think there's going to be great growth in the next three to five years that would not be a good strategy so like anything you always need to do your research i think you need to have a good breadth of property knowledge to use any of these things if you try and use any one strategy in isolation you can make some expensive uh, mistakes maybe so it, it it works if there's equity it works if there's no equity the key thing and this is a really important thing for a purchasing option and people learn about this very powerful tool and it is really a tool rather than a strategy but it can be used in conjunction with any other property whether you're doing single lets hmos commercial property service accommodation it works with everything because it's just a way of it's a way of controlling similar to buying and so it can be used in anything but here's the key thing you want to look for it works best when the person selling the property doesn't need the money from the sale now because the whole point is they're not going to get money now it's going to be three to five years time so don't need money now and actually we can come up with a deal where maybe if they're flexible on when they get to sell they actually end up getting more money they might get a, a higher purchase price and, and let's face it if they sold the property now and put the money in the bank if they had any rental income they lose all the rental income they put it in the bank 
and they probably wouldn't get a very good return. So by paying them a monthly fee, which they wouldn't get if they sold, and it would be more than getting the bank, if you add that monthly fee onto the purchase price you're buying, they might be getting a lot more money for the sale of that property than it's actually worth right now. And that's when it works really well. They don't need the money. They're just going to stick it in the bank. This could be a great solution. If they need the money for something else, like they want to clear some other debt or they want to go on a world cruise or pay for their daughter's wedding or buy some cryptocurrency, it's probably not going to work for them. Yeah. I just want to come back to what you said about the due diligence, because I think it's really important. So some people get really excited by the idea of a purchase lease option. Um, but like you said there, you know, you really want to be making sure you do your due diligence. And if, it, if you had the funds to buy this property, would you buy it? Because there's no point in entering into a purchase lease option just for the sake of it. So you can say you've done one. Um, you really need to make sure that, you know, these rooms are still going to let or the house is still going to rent out um, and that you want to buy it at the end. I think that's really important to go with go in with the intention of yeah. buying it. Absolutely. And, and the, the thing is, you don't have to buy it if you don't want to. Things might change. But I completely agree. Go in with the intention of I'm looking to buy this property. And actually, that's one of the concerns of sellers, because you've got the right to buy, but not the obligation. They might say, well, what happens if you don't buy it? And you've got to be honest, you know. And at the end of the day, you, you're going to go to solicitors. They're going to get a solicitor who's going to explain it to them. You have to use the right ones, obviously. But I would say, yeah, there is there is a chance that I don't buy this property. But realistically, here's what I'm going to do. And, and you might talk about the fact you're covering their fees. If it's on with an agent, you might pay the agent fees. Uh, you might be putting money into the property and say, look, if I don't complete this, all that money I've spent, I, I'm wasting. And, and that's a way of demonstrating that actually, yeah, you do intend to buy. And I think you should genuinely intend to. But circumstances change and you may not buy in the future. So you're absolutely right. Do all the research as if you were buying it. And, and, and also, you made a great point. Don't do a purchase option just because you can. It's got to be a good deal. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to know what a good deal is for you. Um, some people, you know, they HMOs are a fantastic way of, of getting cash flow. Um, for other people, it's, you know, they might have the day job and it's too much hassle involved. Yeah. So it's kind of really just being clear about what your objectives are and whether that strategy and the property and the tenant profile really suits what you're looking for. It, it's um, a to pick up on that. It's an interesting thing because um, I think there's a, uh, uh, comparison that people make that is sometimes a little bit confusing. So people talk about single let property where you rent to maybe it's one property or one contract. It might be a young person or an individual or family or a couple. And that's different to an HMO, a house of multiple occupation. We've got say five rooms, five different people, five contracts. And there's no doubt in my mind that managing one property with five contracts is definitely more work than managing one property, one contract. Absolutely. However, I don't think it's a fair comparison because your one property, you know, might make 100, 200 pounds a month as a single let property. And you can get more profit. That, but that's maybe an average. Whereas a good HMO should be making more like a thousand pounds a month. So therefore, really, you should compare maybe managing one HMO with five tenants with managing five single lets. I think that's then a fair comparison. And I would actually say on that basis, I think the HMO is probably less work than the five single let properties for the simple reason that when you go to the HMO, you can deal with a number of tenants at the same point. Whereas if you have five properties all over the town or city where you live, that's a more traveling time, et cetera. So 
I think one property is less work than one HMO, but I don't think it's a fair comparison. Is that, is that a fair point? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And also you've got five boilers and five roofs and five, uh, you know, houses. Exactly. So- and here's the other thing, Michelle. I don't manage my properties. I pay other people to do it for me. So I don't really care anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you have an HMO with a high profit, you can afford to pay someone else to do it. If you've got a single let property and you're, you're paying a management fee, et cetera, well, there really isn't much money left over you. And, and, I, and I think a lot of people think, oh, I have to get lots of single let first to get my experience and then buy an HMO. And I can see the logic behind that. But I'd also say, well, actually, if you're going to buy a single let and type some money in that, or you're going to type some money in an HMO, why not learn how to do an HMO? And if you want to replace your income, get there so much quicker by doing HMOs instead of single lets. Um, there is a lot to learn, absolutely. And, and there are mistakes to be made if you don't educate yourself. But I think if you want to get there quickly, it's working out what, what are the success routes that everyone's done. And at the beginning, you said I'm an, an HMO specialist. You know, that's very kind of you. I love HMOs, but mainly because most of the people who do our training that's their favorite strategy because it's the quickest way to replace your income. Whether you're doing it as rent to rents, purchase these options, actual purchases or joint ventures or using part, doesn't matter how you do it, but that's the quickest one. As you know, we teach so many other strategies, but that's the one most people favor because you can get that so quickly. Do you think that um, the purchase lease option strategy favors a particular type of property or, or strategy or no, I, I don't think so i think it can work for it can work for single let properties uh it can work for hmos it can work for service accommodation a lot of commercial property yeah. uh and in fact land really is is sold on purchase options and the difference between a purchase option and a purchase lease option is a purchase option you have the right to buy at some time in the future but you don't pay a monthly fee so a lease option has that word lease in you pay a monthly fee and then you get to use it so most land is sold on option um lots of commercial property and in fact it's probably being used in commercial property a lot more than in re- it's only really kind of last 15 years or so that people have started to use it a lot more in residential property so for people listening who are bought into the idea they see it's possible they think right okay this sounds great I don't have my own pot of money I'm not really working with investors yet so I would like to start and try and find some of these uh, purchase lease option deals where do you suggest people start and how do they um, you know with marketing or with networking and how okay so it you know so there's a couple of specific things let me give you one one thing that you can do straight away you can work with estate agents and you can look for properties that might be listed for sale and also for rent. Now, why does the owner do that? Well, the owners do because they don't really want to own the property. That's why they're looking to sell it. But maybe they've got a mortgage on it and that's why they want to rent it out. In the meantime, they don't want it sitting there empty. Now, the problem they have is that anyone who looks at that property is interested in renting might say, well, hang on a minute. It's a nice house. I might want to rent it, but it's also for sale. Who's going to buy it? Will they want to rent it out? What if I move in? Then I have to move out really soon. And it's just too much uncertainty for most tenants. So most tenants won't want to go and live there. Whereas a perfect for us, because we can go and say, look, I'd love to buy the property, but rather than buy it right now, can I buy it in a few years' time? And in the meantime, I'll rent it from you. But instead of being a normal tenant, I'll give you a guaranteed rent. I'll take on all the maintenance. So it's a much easier route than a normal renting route for them. And that's one of the easiest ways to find those. And you know, they don't come up very often, but I'm sure now you're looking for them, you'll start seeing those opportunities. That's one way if you're finding them from estate agents. 
But the other thing is, I, I personally wouldn't just look for purchase options. I would look for motivated sellers, people whom they need to sell or they want to sell. And for them, the speed and certainty is really important. They might be a tired landlord. They might be somebody in financial situation, whatever it might be, they're motivated. And then I speak to them about their situation, what they want to achieve. And I look at their property, okay, what would their property be suitable? Because it might be suitable as an HMO, might not be big enough, might be suitable as just a single let, might be serviced accommodation. Work out what could it be used for? And then we work out which of the numerous tools can we help? And a purchase option might be the one if they don't need the money now. And there's another thing we look for as well, which is what we call favorable mortgage conditions. So that means if there is a mortgage, um, ideally want a nice low interest rate, Ideally, we want an interest-only mortgage, uh, a nice long period to run left on the mortgage, um, and ideally a buy-to-let mortgage. Now, often landlords will already have all of those things. That's why landlords are some of the best people to get um, purchase options from. And one of my favorite strategies, though, a lot of people are doing it, or a lot of people appear to be doing it, is landlord letters. Direct to landlords, HMO register of landlords. So even if you see a nice property, What's to stop you just sending that person a letter? Now, it is a numbers game. Don't expect everyone to want to sell their property. But the more, the, the more action you take, the kind of luckier you get is what I find. Yeah, I think you're right. It's so important to have as many tools in that toolbox so that you are, uh, you know, you're not looking for a, you know, what's this? We've got a hammer and you look at everything you look for. Is, uh, it looks like a nail or one of those. Yes, that's it. That's it. Because, you know, let's be honest, in the vast majority of people, a purchase option will not work. Yeah. Because the, the majority of people who are looking to sell a property, actually, they want the money. That's why they might be selling the property. So it doesn't work all the time. But when it does work, it's an amazing tool for the right solution. Do you think for, uh, for us who are looking for these purchase lease options, the longest amount of time is the best option, if that works for the, the vendor as well? Or uh, is there a limit to how long one should do these things? Typically, options I've done are three to five years. Um, I want to have long enough for the value of the property to go up. Mm -hmm. But I don't want it to be too long because, you know, circumstances in life changes over time. And I don't want to be kind of have this thing hanging around that I control, but I don't actually own for a long time. And I believe if it's longer than seven years, I think there's an extra thing that solicitors have to do at land registry to register that. So I've never done longer than seven years. You probably can. Uh, but I think, you know, also you've got to think about the seller as well. Look, you're taking this problem off their hands now, but they want closure ultimately at some point. And if you try and make it too long, it doesn't work. And, and I've seen people who've tried to agree to us and they want to get everything in their favor and not in the seller's favor. And the seller's not going to agree. So it's about negotiating and trying to find a solution that works for them and also works for you. And what about any other benefits to the sellers? So, for example, uh, tax benefits or... Um... Yeah, so there are a couple of things. So let's say um, a, a great way to find options is, as I said, landlords, they might have a number of properties. Now, as we know, uh, if you have a property that's not your own home and you sell it, if there's been a capital uh, gain, you pay capital gains tax. So let's say you bought it years and years ago for £100,000 and now it's worth £250,000. Well, then look at what did you buy it for? That's what are you selling it for? Take off any buying and selling costs. Take off capital improvements you might have made, like a new roof or a new boiler, et cetera. And then what's left over is the taxable profit. Now, we have a personal capital gains tax allowance each year. As we record this, I think it's £12,300. So 
And you get that once a year. So what that means, and if you don't use it, you lose it. So if someone's going to sell a property, if they have a portfolio, if they sell all their portfolio in one go, they're going to pay a lot of tax. Whereas if they phase the sales, they sell one in this tax year, one in the next tax year, one in the tax year after that, well, actually, they could use a capital gains allowance in each year and so minimize their tax. And if they own it in joint names with a partner like their, their husband or wife, well, then they both get that allowance. So on each property, they could get up to £24,600 $24, tax-free. Now, if you're a higher rate taxpayer, that's a lot of tax-free money to get. And so by phasing the sales over a number of years, we can reduce their tax. Now, the average landlord, if they're managing themselves and they got a portfolio because they want to retire and go and sit on a beach on a big pile of money, they don't want to sell their properties over five or six years because they've got to hang around to the last one sold. But with a purchasing option, we can say, right, we can get this all done and dusted in a matter of three or four weeks. You can book your flight. You can go and sit on the beach. And for the next five or six years, I'm managing the properties for you, looking after them while you're tanning yourself on the beach. And we have an agreed schedule of how we can buy them over a period of time. So it's a fantastic solution for those particularly tired landlords who just don't want to do it anymore. Okay. Um, I'd just like to ask you a technical question because someone asked me the other day. And um, for people who are perhaps you know, seriously considering this as an option and they see that they can find properties in an area where you've got the capital appreciation, let's say over five years. So let's say that there is a um, a £25,000 increase in value over that five years. Um, And, you know, they they would like to add value to the property perhaps at some point. Uh, The question to me was, uh, should I add the value now or should I wait until afterwards? You know, how do they access that equity? Uh, because if they, let's say it was, they agreed £100,000 today and they were to buy that in five years time, that £100,000 is going to seem potentially below market value. So right. it's a bit of a, um, uh, a mystery to some people how that. Okay. So there are lots of questions in there. Let me, let me try and unpick that for you. So so let's say you agree a price today for £100,000 and you're saying in five years' time, it could be 125 yep. Okay, that's quite simple. So there's a couple of things around this. Normally, when you buy an option, you will be buying at the agreed price. Even though it's worth one two five, you would be buying for 100000 And so you have a choice of either um, getting a mortgage based on the value of 100000 putting your 25000 25% in, The problem with that is some lenders, Mm -hmm. if you're buying a property that's below market value, they think it might be a distressed seller and they don't like lending to us evil investors (laughs) who are buying properties below market value from motivated people. Now, the fact is we we offered the full market price at the time we did the deal. No one knows the market's going to go up or down. Long term, generally, the market goes up and it happens to have gone up. So we offered full market price, which is great. And we can even get a valuation at time to prove that was the case. But it's sometimes these lenders, because they don't want negative press around this, they, they don't like helping people who are buying property, obviously below market value. It's slightly ironic, really, because if that same property owner was not paying their mortgage, they'd have no problem with evicting that person and then selling the property on the open market for less than it's worth. So there's a little bit of hypocrisy there, but still, let, let's not get on our high horse about that. But there are some there. So a lot of, and, and again, people who don't know what they're talking about will say on forums, oh, you can't buy properties that are options because you're a related party. And they're just talking rubbish. You know, you know, some of the brokers that we know, the pin, like Morgan, et cetera. You know, 
they are doing mortgages for people who are exercising options every day, day in, day out. So again, it's about getting the right power team around you who know how to do things properly. If you speak to most mortgage brokers, they might be all oh, creative finance. We don't like the sound of that. Or most solicitors haven't even heard about purchase options. And you know, solicitors are very clever people. They've trained for a number of years and they have a certain professional pride and they don't often like saying to their client, oh, I've never heard of that. What they'd rather say is, oh, that doesn't sound right to me. I'm not sure you should. Now, they can't actually give financial advice, but you know what? And their job is to protect their clients. But it's so important to get the right team around you who know how to do these things and are doing them on a day in, day out basis to help them. Otherwise, that can block you. If you had a solicitor or mortgage broker said to you, oh, no, you can't do that. You're going to think, well, surely they know what they're talking about. Maybe it's not possible. Maybe Michelle and Simon are just delirious. And the fact they've done it, no one else can ever do it. You know, and so you've got to be so careful who you listen to. Mm. And especially when you're on forums, you know, forums can be absolutely brilliant. But there's a whole load of people who really don't know what they're talking about, who are very opinionated, who sometimes spend so much time on forums. You think, are they actually out there doing any property deals or not? Because I don't know where they get all their time from. And um, a lot of their knowledge is theoretical rather than actually practical. Mm. So, 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 so it is true that some lenders might have a problem with that. Mm. However, you can absolutely buy uh, that way. Now, that's one way of buying. The other way you buy is, remember, options should be assignable. Mm-hmm. Right. So what you can do is and let, let's change the figures slightly because it makes it a bit easier to understand. So let, let's say, Michelle, you've got an option and generally it's best to get options in a company format. OK, so you get an option and it's it's uh, Michelle's Michelle, Michelle Co, whatever it's called. That's your company. And that has the option to buy the property from me at 100,000. Now, let's say you've got um, Michelle Investments, which is another business. And that's your long term buying. Because as you know, there are different types of company. There's a trading business, which might do activities like rent to rent or selling deals or purchase these options. And then there's a holding company, which is your long-term buy and hold HMOs, buy to lets, okay? And really, if you're buying, you should buy in the investment business because most lenders won't want to lend to a trading business. So your your Michelle Co. has the option on the property to buy for 100,000. It's been managing it, making cash for all that time. When you want to buy it, you go and get a true market valuation. It's worth 140,000. It might be Michelle Investments buy that property at the full market price, 140,000 pounds from the owner of the property. Now, because your other company, Michelle Co., has got that right to buy at 100,000, what, what it actually means is that when your investment company pay 140,000, they do that by putting in 35,000 pounds as the deposit and 105 as the mortgage. That 140 goes to the seller's solicitor. And because the option contract's in place, the seller gets the 100,000 as per the agreement. And then the balance, the 40K, well, that goes to Michelle Co., the company that had that option. You're being bought out of that option for the other buyer to buy it. So you've had to put 35,000 in and it's genuine, nothing funny about it. It's genuinely worth that. It's got a RICS valuation. You've got the mortgage. You've genuinely put the money in, you buy the property, but actually Michelle Co who had that options just got 40,000 pounds. Now Michelle Co would have to pay some corporation tax because it's made a profit. It's not, it's not income tax. It's a company paid 20% tax on that. So let's say what, 8,000 pounds, but basically got 32,000 pounds after tax. And he only put 35 in in your deposit in the other company. So actually you pretty much got your deposit back. 
Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's. Um, I think I just wanted to kind of try and add some value for people who are a bit further along and they, you know, were aware of the idea, but perhaps not the end how to exit. Yes, and that's a bit more advanced. Yeah. That's something we talk about on Mastermind. Itself, but I wanted to. to that's a great question to share that, and that's a completely legitimate way of doing it. So the question, the final bit you said about when should I add value, is. You could either, it, I mean, you want to make, sometimes you could take on a popped-in option because it, it's, it needs a bit of a refurb. And, you know, you might spend some money now to increase the rent you're getting and have an uplift. But I've got a bit of a rule. I want to make sure I get a 50% return on my PLOs. So let's say I was making, let's say I can use it as an HMO and I'm making £1,000 a month. I'd make £12,000 a year. I would spend up to... £24,000 on that property. That would be the legal fees. It might be a fee to a sourcer if they found it for me or a state agency fee. There might be a little bit of refurb from furniture, no more than £24,000. What that means is I'm getting all my money back in two years. And by spending that money, I've added value anyway. So I might've increased the value. You know, I might've spent 20 grand on a refurb and five on furniture. So I might've already lifted the value to 140 already. Yeah. If it's not gonna enhance the rental much, you might get the refurb done at the end because when you actually want to buy it, you know, you're spending the money, but then you're going to get that back because you've got a high valuation anyway. So yeah. that's the answer to that question, if that makes sense. Great. Thank you. So to wrap up now, I know um, a lot of people who are, you know, very keen on this and they'd like to know more about it. Um, and also, as you mentioned at the beginning, the mindset is so important because people might be listening to this on the car and they're driving to work where that, you know, the people who are you know, in their, um you know their friendship circles and colleagues they don't know about these things and uh it's there's a danger of you become like the people you spend the the most time with a danger and also a benefit if you spend time around the, the right people um so i always say to people make sure that you are spending time with people who you know where their goals are normal to you and the, and they have achieved what you want to achieve as well. So um, where do you suggest people can find out more about this? Because I know you do your own courses and things. And um... Yeah. Well, so let me give you some free resources, first of all. So I have a, a podcast like this. It's called the Property Magic Podcast. Uh, and actually, um, I, I give a lot of free information that we normally share on Mastermind and for my book as well. And I talk about HMOs on there, talk about purchasing these options. So go and check out the Property Magic Podcast. First of all, completely free. comes out every Tuesday. Um, secondly, um, I have a YouTube channel. Just search for Simon Zucci and you'll find out loads of free training all about that. And you know, free information is great because you can really immerse yourself in that. Um, the problem is when, when things are free, uh, sometimes, you know, people don't value what's free and you might, I might, I can give you absolutely the best thing that's tell you exactly what to do free charge, but because you haven't paid for it, oh yeah, that's great, I'll do it sometime. Guess what? Once you've paid for it, once you've invested in yourself and you are invested in it, you're more likely to apply the information, get results. So we have various training courses, uh, you know, we have that mastermind, which I know you've done, Michelle. Um, uh, but actually, you know, that's not right for everyone. And what I suggest might be a, a good first step to, to really get a grounding in a, an area. We've got training about purchasing these options. It only comes out every twice a year, I think. And we have some great training all about HMOs. Now, as part of that HMO training, one of the modules is all about rent to rent. One of the modules is all about purchasing options. So it's kind of a, a pretty comprehensive training that, that teaches you about what I believe is probably one of the best strategies and then all the different ways to get that, whether it's option, rent to rent, or buying it, joint venture, momentum investing. So that's a pretty good course. And what we can maybe do is put a link in the show notes 
um, who's going to click and I've got a, a free a live webinar we're running in a couple of weeks uh, where I talk all about that and people can make an informed decision if that training is right for them. And that home study course, by the way, comes with a, the usual standard money back guarantee, 14 days, which everyone has to offer. But the whole point is you can come in, check it out for yourself. And if it's not right for you, just let us know and get all your money back. So there really is no risk of doing that. And that's probably a great way to, to start. Whether you're, whether you're experienced and you want to step up to do HMOs or you're new, and you don't want to waste time with single You want to start getting the cash flow as quick as you can. That's a great course, I suggest. Fantastic. Well, I really encourage people to go and check out those free resources and uh, to have a look out for that webinar as well. So there's lots there available and um, we look forward to having you back at some point in the future as well. So thank you so much, Michelle. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for asking me. Well, thank you very much for your time, Simon, and um, we will see you soon. Thank you. So for everyone who is not yet a subscriber to the magazine, then click in the link for the show notes as well in, and get a you can get your first free magazine. And it also comes with Simon Zucci's Property Magic book for free as well. So we can talk. it talks all about purchase lease options and all these creative strategies that we've been talking about today. See you next time, guys.